Hello, and welcome to Industry Reactions. Industry Reactions is a weekly briefing on industry events, changes, and future trends that impact your business. We're your hosts, Rick Honer and Mark Friedel from Kempoint. You can find Industry Reactions on YouTube, LinkedIn, and as a podcast. For those watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button, ring that notification bell, and smash that like button. We plan on discussing issues that impact the global industry and it will help you uncover new opportunities. We hope this will provide market intelligence that will keep you ahead of changing conditions. All right, Rick, and in our first story this week, it's a continuation of the discussion from last week, and that is the strong earnings that we're seeing in our industry right now. We've seen over the last two weeks or so, a slew of companies in our industry that are posting earnings and in many cases, they're double digit and sometimes triple digit gains, both on top line sales, margin, profitability, and earnings. Uh, this is obviously as uh, expected as we had such a weak Q2 in 2020. So from a year over year perspective, we expected these to be a bit better, but also as demand has come back, supply hasn't been able to keep up with it. So from a pricing and margin standpoint, uh, people are just making a lot more money on every pound sold. Oof, look at those numbers. BASF, 712%. That's amazing. Not bad. Yeah, and I, I think as you look across the rest of the industry, um, we've seen some slight improvement on chemical inventories over the last couple months, but those inventories have yet to reach pre-pandemic levels. Um, and why, you might ask, maybe you wouldn't ask, but this, it's back to supply, and issue, supply issues, supply chain, as well as uh, production disruptions. They haven't fully uh, crawled out of that. There was NACD put out a uh, survey um, which showed that 85% of chemical distributors were reporting stockouts for at least one of their items that they import into the US. So the forecast is for continued delays, maybe even more delays, and still short supplies. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious that most people are facing stockouts of imports. I'm surprised they set this, the, the, the bar at one. Should have been more like a dozen or a, or a hundred or so. Yeah, I'm surprised. I want to see who didn't have a stockout. That's, that's more <laughs> odd to me. That is a better question, for sure. All right, moving on in more macroeconomic news, uh, there was the recent release of the uh, PMI index. This is the one that comes out from the IHS market. And July was uh, very strong again, uh, up to 63.4, which is an in increase from June of 62.1. And again, these numbers are at all time highs. Um, we saw it in the uh, PMI index from, what is it, the ISM index, which I believe is, is slightly different. Uh, their index, it, it appears to be peaking somewhat, uh, but the IHS market version looks like it, it's continuing to climb. And well, it's good to see. I just wish the supply was a little better. For sure. All right, so rail car traffic. For the last week of July, uh, North America chemical rail car traffic increased 4% on a year-over-year -year basis. Um, as you look longer term for year-to-date numbers, North America volume is up 5% from 2020, but just about flat for 2019. So those numbers that you see, it's um, in terms of companies with earnings and sales, a lot of that is price 
And as you can see, that volume clearly hasn't really exceeded 2019. Yeah, for sure. Uh, similarly, the in the oil and gas industry, the rig count continues to steadily climb slowly but surely. Uh, last week, there was an increase of three. Uh, and this is all despite some recent declines in uh, price of a barrel of, of crude oil. I believe it fell well below $70 a barrel. I think it was kind of hovering the last I checked somewhere in the, the mid to upper 60s, but definitely coming down. And I'm not sure if People are getting a little skittish with some of the increase in COVID cases and the Delta variant. All right, so our next story is about product introductions. Um, so we have two firms striking deals to bring their technology for carbon capture closer to uh, to the mark. Um, well, actually to the market. Um, the first is carbon free who has technology to react uh, carbon dioxide with calcium and magnesium to make products like limestone and baking soda. Um, so they ended up partnering with uh, Fluor, who's an engineering firm, to scale up that process and basically graduate beyond their pilot scale opportunities. So Carbon Free, as a company, has some pretty big ambitions. They say uh, that they aim to capture 10% of all CO2 emissions, which is pretty gigantic aim. Um, the second company uh, working on these lines is Sekasui, whose um, system captures CO2 emitted during the steel production process. It converts it and then pipes it back upstream to chemically reduce more iron ore. Um, and so they have an agreement, a three-year agreement with a steel maker. Hopefully I say this right, ArcelorMittal, um, and they've got a three-year agreement to use uh, Sekisui's process. So pretty cool progress in terms of carbon recapture. Yeah, now the, the story did indicate that that trial was 1.9 million in value. So it kind of feels like, I don't know the extent of these trials, but it kind of feels like it's just a minimal investment for a company like this, of this size. Not sure if they're just dipping their toe in the water or if they're this is part of a bigger plan to go bigger. Yeah. All right, moving on to Lanxis in a story that we talked about earlier this year, I believe it was in the winter, uh, they have finally completed the acquisition of Emerald Kalama Chemical uh, based in Vancouver, Washington in the US. It was a, a billion dollar acquisition and it just recently closed um, and this was the second largest acquisition for Lanxis in its history. They've done a, a lot of acquisitions, and apparently this is the second biggest one. Rick, do you know who the, the, the largest acquisition Lanxis made? Actually, I don't know. If, if any one of our listeners actually knows who the largest um, acquisition that Lanxis made, put it in the comments below. We'll, we'll see if we can't get you a Starbucks card or something. Yeah, there we go. All right, and in our last story, um, it uh, brings us into the food and beverage space. So PepsiCo um, plans to slim down its juice portfolio. They've inked a, de inked a deal to sell Tropicana Naked and their other select juice brands across North America to a private equity firm out of France. Um, and that deal is estimated at 3.3 billion dollars us um 
And actually, PepsiCo retains some um, ownership of the company, but it's uh, a non-controlling interest in that new company that's being formed or joint venture. So um, pretty big move, pretty big sale for PepsiCo. Yeah, for sure. And it wasn't that long ago, as I recall, that you know Pepsi and Coca-Cola Company were starting to diversify their portfolio into juices. And so it's interesting that they're already starting to sell off and divest some of these businesses. Now, I know they're keeping um, a per percent ownership of it, but I got to say, if memory serves correct, it wasn't that long ago that they acquired these companies, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I, I don't know what the differences are. Maybe it's a little more a different process for juices versus sodas and waters, et cetera. Yeah, because the story did indicate that the operating profit from these uh, uh, juice brands is lower than Pepsi's overall operating margin as a whole. So, you know, yeah, they generate a lot of revenue. They're big brands, but maybe they don't make as much money as their standard products. Hmm. I guess all the profits in brown sugar water. <laughs> I guess so. All right. And that's it for this week's edition of Industry Reactions. We will return next week with a fresh batch of Industry Reactions. So until then, stay safe. Take care.